Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio and in the free show archive anywhere you listen to radio shows or podcasts, as well as our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you listen to the show for free or subscribe to our ad-free archive, which also gets you access to our montages in my digital books, you will be supporting the show and keeping us on air. Otherwise, we have no sponsors, nobody that pays us, nobody that forces us to be here or forces us to say or to not say certain things. It's about as raw and unfiltered as you can get here on The Secret Teachings. We've been around for 14 years now, going on 14 years. Kind of hard to believe it's been that long. And Super Bowl Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, has for about half of that time, about seven to eight years, traditionally for us, it's been a time in which we've analyzed the Super Bowl. Commercials, halftime, maybe the teams playing, maybe the politics around the game, if there was anything politically going on or Contemporary events at that time. We analyzed the lyrics and the images and the performance of the halftime show in great detail. But never for one moment have we on The Secret Teachings, or even more than one time, that this is some kind of Illuminati, devil-worshipping, satanic event. And if I do call it such a thing... It takes me a while to get to the usage of those words because I define those words a lot differently than pop culture does, a lot differently than social media does. When we started analyzing the Super Bowl many, many years ago, I think we've become better at it over the years, but when we first started analyzing the Super Bowl, there weren't a lot of people that were doing it. And one afternoon I turned on the radio in Orlando when I was living in Orlando, Florida, And I heard a radio show. Didn't know much about it. This was about seven, eight years ago. Didn't know much about it. Just heard this guy talking and I thought, wait a minute. What this guy's saying sounds exactly like what I was saying on my show. It turns out, as some of you know, a person I was listening to on the radio in Orlando was Clyde Lewis of Ground Zero. Long story short, Clyde and I met at a conference and became friends, and we've done a lot of radio together over the years. And we started doing the Super Bowl analysis shows together, both on Ground Zero, which you just heard if you're listening to the network. And if you didn't hear Ground Zero, go check out groundzero.radio or Aftermath FM to listen to Clyde's show tonight that I was a part of. And then we do our own show here on The Secret Teachings, continuing the analysis deep into the night. Again, our analysis is not of Satanism or devil worship or evil or whatever it is that trends on social media, whatever it is that trends on the internet. Our analysis here, at least my intention of our analysis, is to be objective about what we're seeing and to be realistic about what we're seeing. For example, we need to be realistic about the words we use to describe, let's say, the halftime show or the Super Bowl itself. If we just call it an Illuminati ritual, 
Well, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, yeah, there was an Illuminati secret society, and yeah, they performed rituals, but rituals are not evil. We perform which we have rituals every day. We get up, we have a cup of coffee, we go to work. That's a ritual. The Illuminati just means enlightened. If you've ever been enlightened about something, then you're part of the Illuminati. How do we define these words? Why do we use certain words? Why do certain things trend? What do they mean? These are the things that I like to talk about on the show before we begin our analysis of the big game or our analysis of the big halftime show. Those are important things to consider, important things to think about. Perhaps the most important thing to consider and the most important thing to think about, however, is that tens of millions of people from all over the world, if you watched the Super Bowl last night, they were showing on the Fox broadcast people in Brazil, I think there was people in was people in uh, maybe Australia. There was definitely a group in Germany. Watch parties for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Fifty Seven, like any other Super Bowl, had tens of millions of viewers and listeners all around the world. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of attention. And the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars or currency that goes into the stadium, into the halftime performance, into the commercials, which are famously expensive to have a 30-second piece or even a 15-second piece that goes into the the pregame, the game itself, and the postgame, all the, the plane rides, all the transportation of the equipment, all the money that pays for all this. That's a lot of people, a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of currency. And of course, then we also pay attention. We pay not just with currency, but we pay attention to the game itself or subconsciously to the game while we watch the commercials or we watch the commercials and we maybe watch the halftime show a little bit more intently. Always something about the game, whether it's the game itself or halftime or commercials, that's kind of subconscious. Maybe we walk away from the game when the commercials are on because you don't care about those. So subconsciously, we hear the commercials in the background or vice versa. We walk away during the game. We hear the game subconsciously in the background. Hundreds of millions tuned into this Super Bowl. From what I've read, it's a little bit more than the average has been. Uh, Super Bowl 56 was up 8% from the previous Super Bowl. This Super Bowl had 114 million people watching. That is up about 2 million from last year. These are just gross you know, estimates, just kind of a, a rough guess from the statistical data, which is kind of rough, kind of specific. They, you know, they, get a, they get kind of an idea of how many people are watching, but how many people are listening? A lot of people listen to the game. They don't necessarily watch the game. So the point is it's a lot of energy, a lot of attention, a lot of currency, a lot of electricity surging through not only the companies that want to pay millions of dollars for a 30-second spot, Why would they want to do that? Well, because you have hundreds of millions of people watching. You'll make that money back, hopefully, within a short period of time. Does your business good to do these advertisements during the Super Bowl? They're coveted spots, very expensive spots. The Super Bowl is also a time when political ideologies could be inserted or injected into the conversation to hundreds of millions of people that might not otherwise be concerned with whatever the issue is. For example, the Super Bowl this year featured an all-female flight crew that opened up the 
ritual beginnings of the game with a flyover of the stadium. All women. Also, there is a woman who is coaching on the Philadelphia Eagles, assistant coach, and she was the first black woman to coach in a Super Bowl. Her name is Autumn Lockwood. Probably heard that name a lot last night, depending on how much you paid attention. And then, of course, we heard throughout the whole game about how the two quarterbacks for the Chiefs and for the Eagles were both men of color, kind of, kind of brown, dark skin. And those were the political, social justice angles to the game. All women, first black women to coach, and then the first time two black QBs have gone up against each other in the big game. Pepsi didn't sponsor the halftime show this year, though they did have a pretty big, long commercial. And then, of course, you had Apple sponsoring the halftime show. So before we can ever get into the details, this is all important to consider and to think about. A lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of attention, a lot of people that watch this game, that watch these commercials, that watch the halftime show. So obviously... Companies want to use it, and they don't care how much money it takes to sell their product or to sell an idea or an ideology. Now, when you take a close look at the music industry, the entertainment industry as a whole, whether that's comic book movies, superhero movies, or just run-of-the-mill horror stories, you know, romantic comedies, it's all very similar. Very rarely do we get something that's different, that's unique. A lot of it seems to be copy and pasted, or it's just a reproduction of something that's already been produced and distributed before. A lot of music and a lot of TV is not only a reproduction, a rehashing, but if it is kind of maybe unique, kind of new or kind of different, it's drawing on some source of energy, some myth. For example, there's a movie coming out about the Baba Yaga. To a lot of people, that sounds like a new horror movie, but the Baba Yaga is an old Slavic myth. We have these stories about Slenderman and the Momo character and Skidmarink, and these are kind of scary and disturbing, but they're not new ideas or new concepts. Even the stuff in Stranger Things, despite the fact that it has worldwide success, the Shadow Monster, the Montauk Project, opening portals to other dimensions, using psychic children, none of this stuff is new. And I'm not accusing the people that rehash this stuff of being hacks by any means. I'm simply saying that the inspiration is coming from somewhere, and that somewhere is not just it popping into somebody's head. The inspiration is coming from late-night radio shows, admittedly for some of these comic book movies. The inspiration is coming from grimoires and mythology and folklore. And that's why some of the bigger movies and TV shows, a lot of the bigger celebrities that are household names, that's why they're so big, because they draw on the reservoirs of energy that have been filled up over generation after generation after generation, hundreds if not thousands of years. And when they draw on that energy, it empowers what they do. In essence, they're making a deal with those symbols, those ideas, those gods, those goddesses by which they draw on and as long as they perform in their name, drawing on that energy, they will be given the talent and the ability to do what they do. They will be rewarded for what they do and protected for what they do. I mean, for example, Rihanna, who I'm not going to tell you tonight is 
a Satanist. And I'm not going to tell you, that's N-O-T, not going to tell you that she's a witch. I'm not going to tell you that she's a harlot or a whore or it's an embarrassing performance that should be taken off TV. I'm not going to tell you any of those things because I don't believe any of those things. But she's a vessel and she represents these and other archetypes as we're going to talk about on the broadcast this evening. Rihanna also has, if you've seen some of her photo shoots, she has a very large tattoo under her breasts of Isis. Now, you don't have to go type in naked pictures of Rihanna to see this. You can go and type in 2013 Rihanna photo shoot with snakes, and you'll see Rihanna with these snakes and Medusa-like imagery, even the Orphic egg. Her head is the egg, and then the serpent is wrapped around it, the universal cosmic egg the serpent wrapped around it. And you'll see there underneath of the serpent and her arms, she has this giant tattoo of Isis drawing on the energy and the essence of the divine feminine of the divine goddess. And she is seen as an iconic and goddess-like in the same way that Beyonce is goddess-like entertainer, an icon, a symbol. And she has fame and she has fortune and she has a lot of influence, drawing on the energy and the essence of that goddess. Now, the Super Bowl itself, what is the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl is a giant witch's cauldron to brew up a magical potion. Maybe that magical potion is to convince you to buy Pepsi. Maybe that magical potion is to convince you to try Squarespace or to try Tubi or to get an electric car. Maybe the magic potion is to buy Doritos or go visit Disney World, or tune in to the Masked Singer. They've got gargoyles and monsters and celebrities. It's a witch's cauldron in which magical potions are brewed up to draw your attention to the things that are being paid for to draw your attention to them. Products or ideas, music, sports, whatever the case might be. Now, this Super Bowl technically took place in Glendale, Arizona, just about an hour and 40 minutes north of where I am here in northwest Tucson. But it was being promoted as taking place in Phoenix. Most people know Phoenix. Glendale is a city suburb of Phoenix. And, of course, that means that we have the Phoenix having essentially nothing to do with the game itself, but we have the city of the Phoenix, which is a symbol of rising from the ashes of the old into a new world or into a new existence, a new life. Death and resurrection, death and rebirth. And this idea, this symbol, this totem will become evident more and more as we go through tonight's analysis and tonight's broadcast. And for those of you who like numbers, I don't think it means much, but the Super Bowl took place on February 12th, 2023. Obviously, 5 plus 7, you can do the math, 12, 12, maybe that means something to you, maybe it doesn't. Now, with all of this being laid down before we ever begin our analysis, we have to wonder, I think, why so many people are willing to, before, during, and after, call the Super Bowl or call the halftime show evil or satanic. I mean, if you go in looking for Satanism, you're going to find Satanism. Especially if you define the word so broadly. If you go in looking for the Illuminati, whatever that means, you're probably going to find the Illuminati. Again, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. 
And of course, when people do that, then it associates shows like this with what I perceive as negligence, naivety, ignorance. Now, I'm not saying I have the truth or all the answers here on The Secret Teachings. I never say that. I never will ever say that because I don't have the truth. I don't have all the answers. But I do try to provide you with a different and a unique and an objective analysis. A lot of people look, they see a bird, they see a plane. It's a bird, it's a plane. Others say it's a satanic ritual. It's just a game. It's just a performance. They're just commercials. Or it's a satanic ritual. When in reality, it's not just a game. They're not just commercials. It's not just a halftime show. And it's also not a satanic ritual. For example, in the weeks leading up to Super Bowl 57, the public was given multiple idols, symbols, goddesses, graven images to honor in the name of ever-changing political correctness. And these idols and these images were also present at the Super Bowl, whether you realized it or not. The last week of January featured a statue of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the New York State Supreme Courthouse next to lawgivers like Moses and Zoroaster. They called her or implied that she was a lawgiver, although she's actually a law interpreter. She doesn't make laws. That's Congress. Her body was deformed, though, with tentacles for arms and horns on her head, supposed to be her hair, kind of gave her a Gorgon or Medusa look, and she stood or perhaps stomped on underneath of her statue the lotus flower, a symbol of spirit overcoming matter, even though the idol, the statue, was a symbol of matter aborting spirit because the statue itself of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a symbol officially. This is what the New York Times and others said that it was. It's a symbol of her fight for women's rights or particularly for abortion, which is the conquering of spirit by matter. But they use the opposite of that in the lotus flower. Perhaps she's stomping on the lotus flower in the statue. And the same artist also crafted another similar statue across the street, supposedly representing the universal mother Eve. And we did a show on this called Grave and Images. It's in the archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. We go into the great intricate details of that particular story. Now, in both cases, the Ginsburg statue and the other statue across the street, which is very similar, represents Eve. In both cases, you have the universal mother called upon and then inverted to draw on the energy of whatever the opposite of Eve is. That's the opposite of the mother. The mother is nurturing. The mother brings new life into the world. Well, it would be the taking of nourishment. It would be the aborting of life, which is what the Ginsburg statue symbolizes. It's why Eve is written on the head or the, st the structure of the other statue. That's like a golem calling or invoking the universal mother and then inverting her energy to draw on the energy of deities like Lilith or Lamashtu, who is the mother of beasts. Now keep that in mind as we progress through our analysis this evening. The graven image of Ruth Bader Ginsburg or the Eve statue across the street not only reminds us of Medusa, but it reminds us of what Medusa does, particularly to men, and that is she turns men into stone. Perhaps a mythological symbolic commentary on the political motivations behind the promotion of abortion without question, which is embodied in that statue. Now, a week later, which was a week ago from today, from this weekend, Super Bowl weekend, 
February 5th, the Grammys featured Sam Smith and Kim Petra performing a song called Unholy with cartoonish depictions of the devil alongside of flames, cages, red clothes, and horns. Very cartoonish. Actually, it was laughable. When I watched it, it was just totally laughable. Now, that performance was maybe what people were expecting at the Super Bowl, but you didn't get that. You got it before the Super Bowl. You got it in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, but you didn't get it at the Super Bowl. Or maybe you did. Maybe you just didn't realize what you were watching. While most people were caught up in the childlike depiction of evil at the Grammys, they missed the intentionally placed magic circle on the stage that Sam Smith performed in. The magic circle is, of course, the place where the magician stands so that he or she can have protection against what is invoked on the outside. Or the magic circle is drawn, the magician stands on the outside, and within the circle is where a devil, a demon, a spirit can be conjured, and the circle protects the conjurer from whatever the spirit might wish to do. Lash out in anger, attempt to deceive, etc., Usually you can't control those spirits when you try to make that Faustian bargain, literally or figuratively, but that's sort of another story. Sam Smith, in other words, played the part of the vessel, just like Rihanna did, just like Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and all the others, even Coldplay at the Super Bowl. Sam Smith played the part of a vessel inside the magic circle by which something can be conjured or invoked into Others missed the lyrics of the song that they sang, Unholy. Unholy practices at the body shop. Perhaps a lyric noting our increasing desire to drug and mutilate children and adults in the name of identity, obesity, or just good old-fashioned rebellion. This is not just LGBTQ, but obesity. It's now said that children who are 12 or 13 at least should be given drugs and surgery to combat their obesity. It's not just gender, it's not just obesity, it's just general rebellion and playing on that general natural rebellion. Darkness and chaos are, after all, rebellion against light and order and altering the image of God, as we are created in the image of God, altering that image is probably an evil thing. And if a child is the greatest gift from God, then, of course, perverting that gift would be the greatest insult to God and the greatest gift to the proverbial idea of the devil. Now, the performance at the Grammys was said to be groundbreaking because of the gender and sexual identities of Sam and Kim. Groundbreaking. Relating their devilish images to a cartoon devil that I've mentioned on the show before. Cartoon devil from the Powerpuff Girls TV show, wherein Satan wears drag. Satan dresses up like a woman and is confused about his identity. His name is him or His Infernal Majesty. And then, of course, we get to the introduction of that performance at the Grammys, and we get Madonna. Social media was ablaze about Madonna, who introduced that Sam Smith performance. Many said she looked plastic, fake, and just awful. We also did a show on Madonna called Black Madonna. You can find that at thesecretteachings.info in our archive as well. And when we come back... I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the Black Madonna and how, how that relates to Super Bowl 57. It just took place yesterday, the halftime show, the commercials, and more. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. Don't go anywhere.
It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. It's The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Dot Radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Leading the first ever all-female flyover at a Super Bowl, it's to commemorate 50 years of women pilots in the Navy. Autumn Lockwood is now going to be a part of the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. The NFL says that she's also making history as the first black woman to coach at a Super Bowl. An unidentified object has been spotted over the skies. Squarespace is a website that makes websites. It could create itself. Websites making websites. Websites making websites. Websites singularity. The National Football League welcomes you to the Apple Music Super Bowl 57 Halftime Show. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Listening to the Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Super Bowl 57. It is Super Bowl Monday here on the Secret Teachings, the 13th, 2023. 
or building a foundation to understanding the Super Bowl, this big event where hundreds of millions of people tune in, they watch, they listen, they do it consciously, they do it subconsciously, all the products, all the politics, all of the sports, the entertainment, the bread and circuses, all of the good, clean fun, and all of the perhaps underlying messages. Super Bowl 57, I've called the cleansing. And as you listen to tonight's broadcast, you'll find out why. In the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, we've had a couple of strange events that seem to share a commonality. Number one, I mentioned in the first segment, the erection of that Ruth Bader Ginsburg statue, which symbolizes the conquering of spirit by matter. The universal mother statue across the street calling on the powers of Eve and inverting the powers of the mother to draw on the energy of Lilith or Lamashtu, the mother of beasts. Last week at the Grammys, we saw that cartoonish performance of Unholy, the cartoonish devil, the magic circle, the body shop. And we looked at how the cartoonish idea of the devil with these two performers who are trans and non-binary actually relate to a real cartoon devil from a TV show in the 90s called Powerpuff Girls where Satan was confused about his gender. He wore drag and he was called him, his infernal majesty, the devil. That performance at the Grammys was introduced by Madonna. A lot of people said Madonna looked fake and plastic and just awful. Of course, like with the magic circle of the performance, a lot of people missed the fact there were a handful of people that did certainly point this out that Madonna's hair was done in a way that made her look like the statue of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. These horns, like Aries or Capricorn, like the goat, the ram, but more so like the Gorgon or Medusa. Funny enough, Madonna blamed the commentary on her Botox and plastic surgery on misogyny and ageism, which she is engaged in trying to well, alter the course of. She's trying to reverse her age and trying to stay relevant as, well, a, a non-relevant celebrity who's past her prime. She's doing what she can to stay relevant, to stay within the arena of the power and the influence of someone like her, how her status, uh, what her status usually grants. So she, like a black magician, does anything and everything to keep her status before the time runs out, before the clock strikes midnight. Madonna, trying to retain her relevancy in youth, seems as if she is actually attempting to perform unholy acts against nature herself, in essence making her the Black Madonna or the Black Ma, Mother, Donna, Diana, Goddess. Now, a week after all of this happened, the statues and the... Grammys, we get to Super Bowl 57, February 12th, 2023, played in Glendale, Arizona, or Glendale, Phoenix, Arizona, at State Farm Stadium between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. We look at the commercials, we look at the halftime show, we look at the game itself. This is not Illuminati confirmed, this is not satanic, this is not devil worship. I really don't know what those words mean, and I think that they are maybe for some admirable, but for others ignorant attempts to try to find meaning where there is no meaning. I'm not looking for meaning. 
I'm just looking to observe perhaps what the subconscious is absorbing. That's all that we're doing here on The Secret Teachings. Now, the commercials for the Super Bowl were pretty drab, I thought. New Flash movie, new Ant-Man, Dorito triangle commercial, Disney magic, the masked singer with a gargoyle, a couple electric car commercials, Jeep, GM, which featured zombies and Stranger Things and Squid Games. That was one of the more, I guess, intriguing commercials that kind of kept your attention. There was a Ram commercial. A lot of people think that's the devil. Maybe it is. But the Ram commercial really tried. I feel like they actually tried with this commercial. They talked about premature electrification, how people are worried about their electric cars running out of electricity. And the irony is, at the end of the commercial, I don't know if you caught this, if you saw this commercial, at the end they said that the truck's not ready, the Ram 1500 truck's not ready yet. It won't be ready till the end of the year. But see how Ram is trying to solve the problem of their vehicles not being able to basically hold a charge or drive very far. I thought that was kind of funny, uh, kind of ironic. Uh, the most notable commercials, though, I thought were Squarespace, 2B, and the U2 commercial. Squarespace featured, and you heard this in our montage there, Squarespace featured Adam Driver, who I don't particularly think is a, is a great actor, at least in Star Wars. Um, I guess he fit the part for the Squarespace commercial. And he was talking about how the service for websites could, quote, create itself and about how this was the, quote, singularity. Adam Driver then multiplied into what reminded some people of agents from the Matrix before being sucked into a portal. That wasn't the only portal present during the commercials of this year's Super Bowl. Tubi, which is a streaming service, took viewers down a rabbit hole during the year of the rabbit as rabbits physically took people, like grabbed them out of their chairs, kidnapped them, took them out of their cars, a bunch of creepy Donnie Darko rabbits, grabbed people and literally physically threw them into the rabbit hole, threw them into the abyss, suggesting that you can get lost in the streaming. And I guess it's kind of a new take on like the old Hulu commercials where you had Alec Baldwin, you know, before he, he, he shot people. I uh, had Alec Baldwin with the green slimy aliens, and they said that they, uh, you know, Hulu turns your brain to mush so the aliens can feed off of you. That that was a, I guess that probably that was probably a really accurate <laughs> commercial. Uh, so anyway, not not much by way of commercials in terms of, and not, I'm not looking for a deeper meaning, but in terms of analyzing the commercials, this is what I saw, which wasn't much of anything. Uh, objectively with, you know, if you were to ask me on the street, I'd say, I think the commercials that, you know, the people that made them really tried with, I thought GM, you know, they did a lot for that commercial, the GM commercial. Uh, I don't like the idea of the electric vehicle, but you know, the, the GM commercial was, was okay, I guess. I mean, if you're driving an electric truck through a zombie apocalypse, you're probably going to break down pretty quick. Uh, the other one was, I, I thought, you know, Tubi was creepy. It was kind of... I mean, it drew your attention and all these creepy rabbits running around kidnapping people. Uh, and then U2, that one really got me at the end because the U2 commercial, which I thought was probably the most jarring of all of the commercials, the U2 commercial, which announced their residency, that the band U2 announced their residency at the MSG Sphere in Las Vegas with a very short 15-second ad featuring sphere-like UFOs had this really intense trailer music 
And it came on almost as if it was a breaking news broadcast. I talked to Clyde and, right after the game, and we, we were both saying that it. I, I really thought for a split second that they were cutting into the Super Bowl broadcast, telling us that there were unidentified objects flying around somewhere, and they wanted you know the whole world to see that. But it was just a U2 commercial, and in the commercial it said, an unidentified object has been spotted over the skies, and it had a really eerie feeling to it, especially because that ad was cut together so recently. Uh, and what made it so disturbing was, and for those of you who don't don't know this or don't know the details, was the fact that 72 hours prior to the game, UFOs, which for some reason they don't call UAPs and they don't blame on Russia, were tracked and shot down in Dead Horse, Alaska, Yukon, Canada, and Lake Huron near Michigan. Lake Michigan airspace had also been shut down over the weekend for a couple of hours, and then the FAA also shut down with NORAD airspace over the state of Montana due to tracking a radar anomaly. So we have Alaska, Canada, and over the Great Lakes, unidentified flying objects shot down. And if the Super Bowl took your attention away from those unidentified objects, then the U2 commercial redirected your attention back at the very end of the game. That's when the U2 commercial aired for me, and I'm pretty sure, sure everybody, they played it toward the end of the game. Now, not all of these UFOs were spherical. The U2 commercial ad was referenced to the Chinese spy balloon shot down on the East Coast or right off the East Coast of the United States a week before. These UFOs that were shot down before the Super Bowl were cylindrical and silver. We're going to do a show on this this week. The Great Lakes UFO was octagonal. These are official reports. Spherical and silver or octagonal. Pilots said that they seemed to have no propulsion system. They didn't know how they were staying in the air. They were intentionally uh, evading radar, invading or incurring in protected airspace, and some of the pilots had the instruments on their craft, on their jet, on their plane, tampered with, as if they flew through the Bermuda Triangle That really stood out to me when I read that. Several of these UFOs were actually called airships. It looked like airships flying through the air, but no discernible propulsion. And in a tongue-in-cheek way, kind of a flippant observation, I I noticed that during during the Super Bowl, the Vince Lombardi trophy itself kind of looks, you know, it has the metal base, the silver shiny base, but the top, of it, the football kind of looks like a cylindrical silver airship. I just thought that that was kind of interesting. But then we get to the halftime show. Get to the halftime show, usually sponsored by Pepsi. The 2023 show was sponsored by Apple, and it was performed by Rihanna and some dancers in white clothing, white, what were they like, sweatpants, jackets, hoods, with some reflective glasses. Now, before we even get to the halftime show to actually describe it, the pregame advertisements really caught my attention. The pregame advertisements, the videos, the short like little animations of her walking, and the pictures, the photographs that were on the internet and social media promoting the halftime show. The pregame advertisements had Rihanna in a cloak of green moss or grass, at least that's what it looked like to me, 
Her hair was done kind of like Dr. Sue. She kind of looked like a who, uh, but more so to look like either serpents or again, Medusa and the Gorgon, or I interpreted them with the green grass moss cloak. They kind of look like roots or branches of a tree. Her entire pre-performance outfit made her appear to represent a tree, which was then, of course, sponsored by the black apple. Now, on the back of my Apple computer, I have a white apple. In this advertisement, it was a black apple. Now, this is obviously Edenic, and the black apple logo is the apple that tempted Eve in the garden, or the black apple, the poisoned apple, which was given to Snow White. In essence, Rihanna was a representation of the universal mother of nature. And we even saw, some feeds did not have this, my feed did not have this, at least what I saw, but I went back and watched it. There was um, an Adam and Eve commercial uh, with avocado. And the avocado, interestingly, is a symbol of the womb and birth. A symbol of the gestation and the, the life, the birth of a child. The little seed inside is the, the baby or the womb. And the avocado itself is kind of like that pear-shaped Venus figure that gives birth to a new life. So Adam and Eve, the black apple, Mother Nature, the tree of right and wrong, good and evil, light and darkness. And then the avocado, a symbol of, well, the womb and a symbol of new life. That's all really interesting, at the very, very least. Interesting, not demonic, not satanic, not all these names that people like to, to use on social media to get hits and clicks or on YouTube or wherever. It's just interesting. The focus is on the essence of creativity, the essence of life, the essence of birth, the divine sacred feminine from the women that flew the planes over the Super Bowl, the all-female flight crew, to the black woman coach of the... Philadelphia Eagles to the essence of divinity or the black Diana, Rihanna, at the halftime show. Even her pregame advertisements, green and kind of like grass or moss and these roots or branches or Medusa-like serpents on her head. She's the tree sponsored by the black apple. Very Edenic. Very much Eve tempted in the garden, very much Snow White-like, very much a representation of the universal mother of nature. And of course, we saw Adam and Eve as well, or Eve in the commercial. The idea of Adam and Eve in the commercial, the avocado, which is a symbol of the womb and new life. And of course, you have this revelation that Rihanna is actually pregnant during the performance, like real pregnancy. Now, a couple of other things that should just be mentioned in passing. You know, the, the millions of, of people that watched this game were informed that uh, the flyover was all women. Uh, black female coach Autumn, uh, Autumn Lockwood was the first uh, two assistant coach of the Super Bowl. You know, the starting quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, they had darker skin, kind of one more than the other. So they're black, quote unquote. 
In other words, much homage was paid to black women in particular, but black folks in general during Black History Month. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But these things, as usual, come off as very insincere when you consider the fact that the NFL is over 70% black, 38% roughly, I mean, it changes every year, people get moved around, but it's about 38%, a little over a third of all assistant coaches in the NFL are black, and 10% of head coaches are black. Now, that's not bad for black folks, considering that black folks, men and women, make up only 14% of the population. 14% of the population, but... 38% of assistant coaches, 10% of head coaches, and that that doesn't mean everybody else is white. Uh, The second highest category of coaches is Hispanic. There's more than just white people, and the league is over three-quarters or roughly three-quarters black. But just something to think about, something to consider from the, the political ritual element of this. But more to the point, here we have Rihanna. Rihanna opposed the NFL for some time. She opposed the NFL because of their... Refusal to address social justice issues, politics, same old, same old. But she decided to perform anyway. Reports after the game was that she wasn't going to get paid for this performance, although it really wasn't a a performance in the way that you would think of if you went to a concert and actually saw somebody sing. She obviously lip-synced it. And we have to give someone like Rihanna, even if she is a witch, give her a lot of uh, credit for being able to perform. She's pretty pregnant not nine months, but she's pretty pregnant to perform pregnant, to do all those moves, to dance around like that. That takes a lot of energy, a lot of, um, a lot of effort. I can't do that. So you got to give her that. And, uh, the fact that she was suspended, what 30 something feet in the air, everybody says she didn't have a, a harness, but if you look close enough, she was, there was like a buckle or something. It looked like when I went back and watched the video, uh, where she was buckled to the, the, uh, glass mirror, stage that lifted her up into the air. So she represents from the pregame ads to the halftime performance to the fact that she actually is pregnant. And that's what was made a made a big news story after the game. Rihanna reveals that she's pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. She represents the universal mother, the universal mother of man, the universal mother of nature or the queen of heaven. Halftime began with the singer suspended on a giant mirror accompanied by two lower mirrors on each side, each with two dancers in white. So if you watch the performance, for those of you who haven't seen it or those of you who haven't paid close attention, you tune into the secret teachings to see what we're saying. Just picture a shot of one half of the stadium, you know, that angle you get when you're watching the halftime show or you're watching, uh, you know, the game. And you have these... There's seven total mirrors. We don't find out uh, until another shot a few seconds later, but it starts with five mirrors or five little platforms suspended from the air. There's the central platform with Rihanna and then two platforms at lower angles, lower levels to her left and to her right. And the image that it creates, not only is the mirror important and significant in relation to the goddess, And the Black Madonna in particular, not just black because Rihanna has dark skin, but the essence of the Black Madonna, the inversion of the universal mother, the the inversion of creativity in life, the inversion of nurturing, etc. But the mirror is a sacred symbol to the goddess Kali, who some see as a destructive and chaotic goddess. And the image that this creates, the image of the mirrors there, side by side at different levels and layers, is strikingly 
similar to what is called the Gen, G-E-N, or Gon, G-O-N. Gen is Chinese. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Gon is Japanese. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. The Gen or the Gon are same symbol. They are one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching, or some say the I Ching, the I Ching. And it features a horizontal solid bar with two lower bars underneath on the left and right sides. Those two lower bars are cut in the middle, so you get two bars on the left on top of each other under the main bar at the top, and then you get space in between, and then you get the two bars on the right. This was the image created by those mirrors when the performance began. As the performance proceeds, the suspended mirrors move in a way to indicate a stairway or a staircase. I thought, stairway to heaven. And then it shifted, and I thought, stairway to hell. It shifts in both directions. This also flips the gon or the gin upside down and then back up. It's like the great seal of Solomon, the black and white god, reflection in the reflecting pool or reflection in the mirror. Next, we see the mirrors on the left and right. The camera cuts back to the side of the stadium. You can see the performance head on and you see the mirrors on the left and right and they're angled at the top, in the middle, and then Rihanna is at the bottom. So at the beginning, she is gone or gin. It's almost like a ziggurat-stepped pyramid, and then that pyramid is inverted, and I'd say ziggurat because it's stepped. It's not so pyramidal as we think of like a triangle. And it's interesting because Rihanna, who's at the apex of the ziggurat, who's at the apex of the pyramid, whether that's pointing upward, fire, and phallic, or it's downward, which is water and feminine, or the womb, she's also pregnant, again, remember that, Isis, the universal mother, the goddess, all that is, ever has been, and ever will be. No mortal man hath me unveiled, says the inscription. Rihanna has a big tattoo of Isis on her chest, under her breasts, I guess more so on her, on her abdomen. And it is Isis who is the all-seeing eye at the apex of the heavenly-facing pyramid. If you invert that heavenly-facing pyramid, then you get Isis in her black form, the black goddess with the black Madonna pointing down her universal light and life like Ameterasu or Ameterasu in Japan. That universal light is inverted, put into the cave, bringing darkness and death and chaos and destruction and storms to the world. It also brings the universal light to light the infernal, to light the pits of hell, the fires of hell, the lake of fire, flames, etc. After Rihanna's dancers crawl behind her across the red stage and she retouches her makeup once, the mirrors return to view suspended in a straight line across the top of the stage. She then performs her iconic song, Run This Town, as the central mirror lifts her back into the air, and then she transitions to the song Umbrella. Now, when we come back from break, I'm going to tell you about the umbrella and what the umbrella, which she sang just a piece of, she mixed and merged these songs together. I'm going to tell you what the umbrella is, what it represents. Here's a hint. It represents the Black Madonna. But we're not going to look at that from a really random or cheap way of uh, trying to acquire uh, that 
that symbol uh, or that meaning behind the symbol, I'm going to take you through the etymology of the word and show you how it relates to the Black Madonna and how it relates to H.P. Lovecraft. There's actually a monster or a demon part of one of the gods, Yogg-Sothoth, who is called Umbra. I'm going to tell you what all this means when we come back from break. We'll have a montage after break, and then we'll have the next hour ad-free. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please listen to the broadcast Monday through Friday live, or check out the free archive, listen and download the show. We get paid for that. Or subscribe to the ad-free show at thesecretteachings.info. Super Bowl 57, The Cleansing. More on that after this. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings radio show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back him. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. An Octane, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the fall back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Leading the first ever all-female flyover at a Super Bowl, it's to commemorate 50 years of women pilots in the Navy. Autumn Lockwood is now going to be a part of the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. The NFL says that she's also making history as the first black woman to coach at a Super Bowl. An unidentified object has been spotted over the skies. Squarespace is a website that makes websites. It could create itself. Websites making websites. Websites making websites. Websites singularity. The National Football League welcomes you to the Apple Music Super Bowl 57 Halftime Show. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication the same system has been fixed for too long and so the problem has been accumulated more and more and now the seed of a new change has just sprouted on it. If we are too accustomed to the stability and peace we are now in, and simply dismiss the seed of change, we may end up with a disaster, but we must actively find and nurture the seeds of new ideas and changes. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. The National Football League welcomes you to the Apple Music Super Bowl 57 Halftime Show. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm not here tonight, Super Bowl Monday, the day after Super Bowl 57, 2023, to tell you that it was all satanic, all evil, all the work of the Illuminati or some reptilian alien group. I'm here to provide you with, hopefully, objective analysis. I'm here to provide you with what I saw, not what I wanted to see. I'm here to provide you with not just game day analysis, if you will, but pregame analysis and the patterns and the symbols and the idols that were present in pop culture and in contemporary news 
before the Super Bowl was even played. Just a few hours before the Super Bowl, on Sunday, a UFO was shot down over Lake Huron. It was described as octagonal. Two more UFOs were shot down over the weekend from Friday to Saturday over Canada and Alaska. And if you forgot about those UFOs, the band U2 brought unidentified objects in the sky back to your attention at the end of the Super Bowl with a very short advertisement about their residency or their new residency in Las Vegas. Unidentified objects in the sky, spherical objects like that Chinese spy balloon, kind of like the U-2 spy plane as well. We also saw the statue of Lilith, or Lamashtu, the mother of beasts. Some just call it Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But that statue is not of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It is literally a statue of the mother of beasts. It is a statue to the conquering of spirit by matter, despite the fact that they put it on a lotus flower or what I would call a Lilith flower because they defiled the lotus flower, which represents spirit conquering matter. They ripped her arms off and gave her tentacles like some Lovecraft monster. And across the street is a similar invocation of Eve, the universal mother, who was turned into the harlot of the whore Lilith, the red lady, the lady in red, the scarlet woman, or again, Lamashtu, or any other deity that you wish to reference, who is a deity of the abortion of life, who targets the innocent, who targets and tries to harm the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. That's what Lilith or Lamashtu do. And then we saw Madonna at the Grammys, and we saw her hair done very much like the Madonna or Black Madonna ram's horns or medusa snakes or gorgon head hair whatever you want to call it we saw her hair done in the same way as that ginsburg statue and the plastic porcelain badlam rake slender man looking face that she has as she defies the aging process i called her the black madonna black ma mother donna diana goddess the black goddess that's what she represented so it's not really a surprise to me that when I looked at the halftime show of the Super Bowl and I saw Rihanna performing, dressed in the red, she shows the whole world that she's pregnant. She makes this announcement on stage. Most people didn't know she was pregnant. So she is literally the mother. Because she has dark skin, she's literally the black mother. But figuratively speaking, and more symbolically speaking, having nothing to do with her skin, she is the black Madonna. She is the black goddess. So we had this pattern leading up to the Super Bowl. Then we had it at the Super Bowl. Furthermore, the black Madonna or the black goddess is a goddess of nature, a universal mother of nature. She's also known as the queen of heaven. And we saw this in the pregame before the game and before the halftime show. Rihanna was in a green, almost like grass or moss cloak. Her hair, which kind of had a serpentine Medusa-like look to it, almost looked like roots or tree branches in a way, more so roots. She had this look of an inverted tree or a tree that was turned upside down. And more so to the point, she was sponsored not by Pepsi, but she's being sponsored by Apple, which used a black apple. And their logo used to be a apple falling off of the tree in the Garden of Eden. But a black apple, which is the poisoned apple, like in Snow White or the apple 
or pomegranate given to Persephone, the apple in the Garden of Eden with Eve. And I didn't see it on my feed, but there was an Eve or Adam and Eve commercial with avocados during the Super Bowl. And that avocado is actually, in sympathetic magic, a symbol of the womb. And that little seed in the middle is, of course, the seed or the spark of new life, the moonchild, homunculus, whatever you choose to call it. Now, Rihanna is on stage and the performance begins. Going to simplify this the best I can for those of you who are listening and who have not seen this, or even if you have seen it, I'm going to try to simplify this. She's standing on a platform suspended above the main stage, above the field, and she has dancers, two of them on each additional platform, suspended to her left and to her right. So we're getting a frontal view of her and these stages above the main stage, these little platforms. You see five in all initially. There's actually seven, but you see five initially. And the image that it creates, and the only other person who caught this that I know was Clyde Lewis on Ground Zero. And when we talked after the show, we were actually texting during the show, and we both saw the same thing. We saw the we saw I Ching, or I Ching as some refer to it. Now, we saw I Ching 23, as I dug more into it, it's not just hexagram, uh, hexagram 23, it's also one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching, which represent the four elements and also the four things the elements are associated with, like thunder and lightning and the oceans and things like this. So the image that is created is a line at the top, and this is one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching. I'm going to give you the name so you can look it up. And then under that main line, there are two other lines. They're split in half. And so you basically, if you're looking at this, you get one line that's solid, and then you get two lines underneath. They're broken half. So you get two marks under on the left and two marks under on the right under the main bar. It's the best way I can kind of describe it. You get these lines. That's what the I Ching is broken up, and they have these different meanings. So the image that was created with the opening of the performance is in Chinese. They call it the Gin. I don't know if... I'm pronouncing that right because I don't speak Chinese. I'm learning Japanese. I know that the other name for this is the Gon, the Gon, G-O-N. It's one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching, and it features a horizontal solid bar with two bars underneath on the left and right sides that are split. Now, as the performance proceeds, these suspended mirrors, as I said in the last segment, they move in a way to indicate almost like a staircase, and that staircase maybe is going to heaven, maybe it's going to hell, but it shifts in both directions, so it signifies heaven and hell, in my interpretation. This also flips the gin or the gon upside down and then flips it back up again. Next we see mirrors on the left and the right, drawing the eye down to the bottom central mirror, where Rihanna, who was first at the apex of this ziggurat, I Ching symbol, is now at the bottom. The flipping, of course, represents male and female, fire and water. The top pointing pyramid, the apex of the top, is fire and the phallus, the male, and the apex pointing down is the water and the womb. Again, Rihanna is pregnant, and she symbolizes in the pregame and during the performance the universal mother goddess. This is typical. We saw this with Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and so on and so forth. Now, she's not the goddess, whether you think she looks like one or 
think she's that talented or whatever. She is simply a vessel. She is embodying the essence of, of that idea, that archetype, that character, etc. So what we have is the one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching, and then we have the inversion of that. So we have the I Ching, and we have a ziggurat, which is upward and downward. It faces both directions because the mirrors change, and the suspended platforms flip so that the ziggurat is pointing down, and there is Rihanna at the apex of the heavenly pyramid and at the infernal pyramidal apex. Interestingly, it is Isis, who Rihanna has a big tattoo of on her chest, just under her breasts. You can see in some of our photo shoots. Isis is the all-seeing eye who sits at the apex of the heavenly-facing pyramid. And when you flip it upside down, Isis becomes quite dark. She becomes the black goddess. And that's what you see in Rihanna, the black Madonna, on stage. Now, after her dancers crawl behind her, cross the stage, and she retouches her makeup, the mirrors return to view suspended in a straight line across the top of the main stage on the ground. She then performs her iconic Run This Town song as the central mirror lifts her back into the air and she transitions to the song Umbrella. I'm skipping over several seconds of this because we're getting to the main heart of what the movement of the mirrors and the suspended platforms represent symbolically. Again, the I Ching, the Gon and the pyramid or the ziggurat pointing up and pointing down. And it is the black goddess or it's Isis who sits at the top or when you flip it at the bottom of those pyramids or those ziggurats. Now, a particularly interesting note about the song Umbrella should not be passed up. Umbrella is a word that is broken down into two words, actually. Those words are Umbra and Ella. Umbra and Ella. This is the actual definition of the word umbrella. This is how you break the word down etymologically. I'm sure that you can find a, a dozen other ways to break it down, but if you just go to a basic dictionary and you type in these, these terms or you look them up, you might have to have a more in-depth dictionary, not just a basic dictionary. Here's what you find. The umbra is a shadow region of darkness. The Ella is a female given name. It comes from a Germanic word meaning all. In other words, Umbrella is the dark shadow region of the all-encompassing female essence. Or you could say the all-encompassing female essence, the divine feminine in its shadow form. Which again, I would suggest is the Black Madonna, a theme that we've seen present for the last half a month to almost a month in contemporary events, in pop culture, etc. In other words, Umbrella is an all-encompassing female name given to darkness. This black Madonna, therefore, is the universal mother inverted so that her life-giving, nurturing abilities are stripped from her and she becomes the opposite of life-giving. She becomes an aborter. And she becomes the opposite of nurturing. She doesn't nurture. She tries to cause physical harm to children and to the sacred feminine and to the sacred masculine. She targets men, hunts them down, and she's like a succubus, Lilith or Lamashtu, 
uh, whatever name you want to give to her. It's all basically the same thing, the same idea, the same concept, etc. So when you look at Brianna's performance, on the surface, it's not anything to really write home to mom about. It's not anything to go and blog about. It's not anything to tweet about or go into Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and be like, oh my God, it's a satanic ritual. You get clicks and likes, but that's just really stupid and it's really cheap and it there's no value to that. There's more though when you start to recognize that this is not the Grammys performance where it's a cartoonish depiction of the devil and the FCC gets complaints and people want Sam Smith and Kim Petras to be, I don't know what they want them to find or they want them to be reprimanded. I, I don't know. It's None of this stuff is really shocking anymore. Like I said on the show we did about the Grammys, it would be more shocking if like, uh, you know, a pastor came out and said a prayer or a priest blessed the performances or something like that would be a shock but or a christian band won all the awards or something like that but the devil images are not really a shock uh that's just to get people talking there's an underlying meaning or an underlying element there and as we discussed on the grammy show it's in the magic circle it's in the idea of the cartoon devil who has uh gender and sexual confusion which is how the devil was represented in that old cartoon show for kids called the Powerpuff Girls. He's this basically a transvestite devil and he has this distorted voice and they call him him, his infernal majesty, the devil. So there's that cartoonish like reference to this. So we should also recognize that in relation to Lady Isis, in relation to the Black Madonna, in relation to the umbrella, which is the umbrella, it's the, the dark female, one of the most popular dark females other than the Black Madonna is Kali. Kali is, if you go to a goddess dictionary, and there are such things, or a dictionary of symbols or a mythology book or something like this, um, I have an encyclopedia of witchcraft. I went into that book, I looked up Kali, and just kind of, I wasn't trying to find any kind of symbol related to Kali. I just know that she's referred to as a black goddess sometimes, so I was looking this up, and I'm reading, and I didn't know this until I researched it last night, Kali's symbol is actually the mirror. And so the mirrors at the halftime show, they relate to Kali. They also relate, of course, to the Black Madonna in general, the mirror reflection of good, the mirror reflection of bad, of darkness and light, etc. But the mirrors at the halftime show also reflect the heavens that are above. And to reflect the heavens back to the heavens is really a rejection of divinity. So within that idea, you have something a lot less wholesome, you know, outside of the butt shaking and grabbing the crotch and, you know, ripping the shirts open to show the covered breasts at the performance. You know, people get upset about stuff like that. And sure, you know, it might be considered for some a little bit, um, you know, a little bit raunchy or whatever. But generally speaking, there's more to it than that. And otherwise, you know, we we might see, oh, it's Rihanna and, you know, she's got red on and that's the devil. And there's a lot more to it than that. For example, let's keep thinking about Umbrella for a second, OK, because that that really is a a, a missed piece of Rihanna's performance. It's not something that really took up a lot of the performance, but the fact that she sang Umbrella 
has a lot of meaning, especially to me, because I've been talking about that song and what it represents for years. I wrote a whole book called The Technological Elixir. There's a huge section on the music industry. And in that book, there's a section within that section of the music industry where I talk about Rihanna's song Umbrella and Jay-Z and The Rain Man and what all this represents. You can get that book at thesecretteachings.info if you're interested. So in the Lovecraft universe, and I briefly touch on this in the book as well, there's a god named, and there's tons of gods, this god named Yogg-Sothoth. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Yogg-Sothoth, okay? And this god is known as the Guardian of the Gate, or Portal, Guardian of the Portal, of the past, present, and future. Reminds us of those commercials for Tubi, where the rabbit rips people out of their chairs, out of their homes, out of their cars, and takes them or throws them into the abyss, into the rabbit hole. Or Squarespace, where Adam Driver is basically agents from the Matrix. The computer website can uh, recreate itself, so it's like a singularity, he says, and then he gets sucked into the portal. That's Yogg-Sothoth. He's described as a series of 13 iridescent globes. One of those globes, and I'm not making this up, this is not a stretch. I researched this and came across this years ago. One of the globes of Yogg-Sothoth is Umbra. Now, horror fan pages, people that love H.P. Lovecraft, suggest that this particular representation or extension of Yogg-Sothoth is a type of demon who grants fame, fortune, etc. Influence, wealth, in, you know, in a lot of ways, not just money. But fame, fortune, which gives you a lot of kinds of, a lot of different kinds of wealth, and of course, influence, which you could see as wealth, that's part of the fame, etc. Only when you worship it, when you invoke it, when you give something to it. Now, such a demon is very popular, as you know, in the music industry. It's honored by Eminem as the shadow, or in My Darling, he sings into the mirror, speaking to the demon. You could say that's the subconscious. It's very Jungian, but he's singing to a demon, making a deal with the devil in that song, talking about the deal he made with the devil. And then Lady Gaga, you know, she has the, the fame monster, she is routinely referred to as the monster. And then, of course, Billie Eilish, bury a friend. And I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I'm pretty sure there, there might even be a Rihanna Eminem song. In fact, I should look that up here in real time for you. I kick myself if I don't. I think there's a Rihanna Eminem song where she also refers to herself as the monster. I'm going to try to find that real quick. Eminem, Rihanna... Love the way you lie. I'm pretty sure that in that song, is it love the way? No, 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 here it is. I'm sorry. It's the monster. It's actually Eminem featuring Rihanna, the monster. So she refers to herself as the monster in that song, just like Lady Gaga does. So once again, it's the same idea. Uh, and Billie Eilish, you know, Billy Bell, Ball, Bali, like Balenciaga. Uh, Eilish is on high in Sumerian. So Billie Eilish means the devil on high or Ball, the first king of hell on high. And in that song, Bury a Friend, you see Billie Eilish. Uh, she is abused and tortured, and she plays the part of Marilyn Monroe, the, you know, the, the mind control sex slave. She levitates, a power granted by the devil. She has to bury her friend. And, you know, there's the in the song about, you know, uh, uh, cutting out the tongue, basically, you know, not being able to speak, not being able to hear. You just have these handlers that control you. So that's that's just a little bit of, of the Barry of Friends song. It's all it's all uh, part of the same idea, really. It's Eminem, Lady Gaga, Billie Eilish, Rihanna. It's 
They're all talking about the same thing, in essence. Now, as the Umbrella song proceeds, and she only performed a little bit of it at the halftime show, this is what freaks me out the most. This has nothing really to do with the Super Bowl, but it's that song. The chanting of Umbrella is like an incantation. The reduction of the word Ella, Ella, A, 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 it's like abracadabra. Abracadabra can be reduced in two ways. It can be reduced to bracadabra, racadab, acada, cad, a, etc. Or you can just remove the last letter. So it's abracadabra, and then abracadab, and then abracada, abracad, etc. And it's a word used to enchant when performing a magical act or ritual. Usually abracadabra is used to uh, to ward off or to void uh, a sickness or a disease to sort of um, uh, take that disease and reduce it until you get nothing uh, to make someone healthier, bring someone back to health. But it can be used for a lot more than that. And umbrella, likewise, umbrella, Ella, A, A, A. This is like an incantation of the umbra, the devil or the demon in the Lovecraft universe that gives you fame and fortune if you worship it, but then the Ella is the female essence universally in a dark or shadow form. So it's basically calling with incantation, with ritual, on this energy, on this force, and drawing it into the body of the performer, which in this case is, of course, Rihanna. And if you watch that song, she has the black oily leather clothes on, like Lady Gaga wears. She also ends up inside of a triangle, which, like the pyramid, it's a symbol of the womb, and she is bowing down inside of the womb, covered in silver paint. If you read Edith Hamilton's mythology book that she wrote, she's a very famous mythologist, she says that silver is the color of the infernal. Gold is the divine, silver is the infernal. So covered in silver, covered in the infernal, she bows down in the womb and puts her arms up in the air, the air bowing down and, 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 and giving um, some kind of uh, worship or honor, giving her attention and energy to what that, that image represents. As she sings, Ella, 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 she's chanting the name of this, of this character, of this essence. And the reference to rain, which is excessive in the music industry, is usually called the Rain Man, which in Umbrella is played by Jay-Z. And when you watch that video, you'll understand more of, of what I'm talking about. The chant of Ella, A, A, A. Now, none of that happened at the Super Bowl halftime show. It actually ended the show with pretty standard lip syncing, lights and cheering, singing about diamonds, things that might not have much meaning or purpose in another analysis or observation of the halftime show, etc. But as the universal mother goddess or the Black Madonna, literally and figuratively. You know, she has darker skin, but she's also pregnant, so she's literally a Black Madonna. Whether that's literally or figuratively. Rihanna was wearing, as most people noticed immediately, because that's what you saw up front at the, the very first image that comes onto the screen once the Apple logo fades away, is red clothing, the archetypical garb of the lady in red, which is usually a reference to sexuality, prostitution, and the whore of Babylon. In fact, the word harlot, as in the harlot or whore of Babylon, comes from a, a mis basically a mistranslation 
of the word Hyradulai or Hyradul, which means sacred woman. Now, these sacred women performed rites in the mystery schools of Greece and Egypt and Sumeria, etc. These women were the embodiment, as I said, they are the vessels, the embodiment of the goddess, whether that's Ishtar, Inanna, Quetesh, you name it, all throughout ancient Mesopotamian history, Isis as well, of course, in Egypt. The goddess of ecstasy and sexual pleasure, Quetesh, fits into the mold pretty nicely here. Quetesh is kind of a mixture of different goddesses, but she is specifically the goddess of ecstasy and sexual pleasure. The fornication, if you will, that drunkens the mass majority of people, as described in Revelation, we'll come to more of that here in a few minutes. If you're just joining us, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and this is an ad-free hour We will play our montage to end the show tonight. You can get that montage. You can get my digital books and the ad-free show. If you go to the website, thesecretteachings.info, subscribe to all of that today. You can also listen to the show for free otherwise and download it. You just have to listen to those advertisements along with the show. And you can buy my book separately on the website, like The Technological Elixir or Occult Arcana. I think you'd like both of those books if you're enjoying our show tonight. So... The red robe signifies in the mystery schools and in Sumeria in particular, in ancient Sumeria, ancient Sumer, the red robes signify and represent truth. The word for truth is ritu. And the word ritu or truth is where we get the word in part ritual. Ritual. In fact, the officiating members of the great mysteries of Demeter at Ulysses were known as, and this is a kind of a hard word to pronounce, hierokirics, or sacred heralds, or sacred mothers, or sacred women, sacred feminine. They would provide and administer the final components, such as the, the drink, etc., of the mystery schools as part of the process of what are called um, dramas, or acts of living resurrection, being born again which take place in caves and temples and pyramids, etc. They all represent the living womb of the goddess. The inner sanctum was called the bridal chamber, by which one would be married to God, and then after three days be resurrected symbolically as a husband, wife, or son, daughter of the divine, a son, if you will, of God. Same story is told with Amaterasu in Japan. It's also interesting to note that Damar Hamlin, you know Damar Hamlin? Damar Hamlin was resurrected on the sidelines of the game, with a jacket donning certain religious images, including a crucified savior and all these other things like uh, look like a cloak of wings or almost like a red robe that Jesus could wear, this character that's crucified. A lot of people thought DeMar Hamlin actually died on the field during that Bengals-Bills game a couple of weeks ago. He showed up at the playoff game and he supposedly put up a sign of a heart. didn't look like a heart to me. It looked like something that Jay-Z would do. You know, the Rockefeller symbol. Some say it's a diamond. Some say it's a pyramid. Some say it's Illuminati. I don't know if it's any of that. I think it's for publicity. I think it gets people talking. And Damar Hamlin, who a lot of people thought were dead, I honestly thought he died when I was watching this live. He's on the sideline of the Super Bowl with a jacket 
with these religious symbols, including a crucified Savior. And we have the same theme present throughout this whole performance. We have the child, we have the mother, we have the black goddess, we have the inversion of life. We have a lot of things that are pretty basic and standard archetypes all worked into the halftime show and all concealed beneath of, oh, look, she's pregnant. Oh, look, there were all, there's an all-female flight crew that flew over the stadium. Oh, look, one of the Eagles coaches is kind of, she kind of has dark skin and she's a coach. She's the first black coach to coach who's a woman in the Super Bowl. That's big, right? You're focused on that. And you don't recognize the, the archetypes, the Joseph Campbell stuff, the Carl Jung stuff, the mythology, and the esotericism. Now, with all of this considered, it's almost too perfect that Rihanna revealed that she was pregnant during the halftime performance. I mean, that just really sealed the deal. But the most significant symbol of the show, I don't think, was her belly or her red clothing. The red robes certainly have an effect on the eyes. I think it was the mirrors. And I think it was how the mirrors, the platforms that they were standing on above the red stage. I think the mirrors really told the story. They reflect what's above the heavens. They reject divinity. And when the performance first began, they make the symbol of gone or gin. And that gone or gin symbol is a trigram, one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching, symbolizing thunder and spirit. Others say mountain. But it symbolizes the womb of the goddess. Spirit in the child, thunder like orgasm, the mountain is the womb like the pyramid, the triangle, the sacred mountain. It's the womb of the goddess. And gin or gone, one of the eight trigrams of or trigram of the I Ching, symbolizes these three things. Letting go of the obsolete. An ability to disengage and refocusing on a new beginning. These eight trigrams are called Ba, almost like ball, but not exactly Ba, which is eight, and Gu, Gua or Gao, G-U-A, Bagu, Bagao, which is oracle symbols. So eight oracle symbols. That's what these eight trigrams are. They're oracle symbols. That's what we use the Super Bowl for. With all the money, the corporations, the politics, the entertainment, all of this put together, you have an oracle for what's going to be seen. Where the direction of the country, where the direction of the world, where the direction of the, the zeitgeist or the narrative is, is taking us. That's what we analyze the Super Bowl to see. These eight oracle symbols represent the following. Air, water, earth, and fire. Or the subset of characters are breath, which is like air, sea, which is water, uh, thunder, lightning, fire, and then earth is the mountain. These eight oracles, and this is really, really kind of, uh, it's kind of where my, my attention was really piqued when I was looking at this because I saw the, the I Ching symbol and I was reading about hexagram 23, which is what I saw, but then there's actually a smaller version of hexagram 23 in the I Ching, which again is, is, is this uh, thunder, spirit, mountain, it's gone or gin. And it is sometimes referred to the, the oracle symbols, as a dragon spirit that bestows special powers. Now, this is where it gets good. 
As the performance proceeds, and we see there are now seven mirrors instead of five mirrors at the beginning, which showed us the gone of the I Ching, or the eight oracle symbols, we shift to the hexagram 23, which features same image, a solid bar at the top, but it just has more broken bars on the left and right side underneath of the top solid horizontal bar. I Ching 23 is known as bow, or the cleansing. Its symbol looks similar to the red stage of the halftime show. Its symbol is a long straight line with a protruding square-like, could be diamond-like, but square-like piece attached to it. That's what the stage was. It was just a long line, and then it had this almost, it was like kind of like a square in the middle, kind of like a cross or a coming together of crossroads, but they're not really crossing. They're, they're, they're part of the same road, part of the same line. But this, this stage was very similar to what the symbol of hexagram 23 looks like, and it represents and, and it means the cleansing. Now, the 23rd hexagram of I Ching has a very direct definition besides the cleansing. It is an act or instance of stating something. And that something is, according to the occult I Ching, hexagram 23 is a recapitulation of hexagram 4, which I'm about to tell you about, and the apocalypse. I'm not making that up. I'm not searching for that. That's literally what I Ching 23 means. It means the cleansing, and it means a reinstating or reminder of, restarting, if you will, of the apocalypse and also hexagram four. So we have gone, which is basically the mother element. It is the mountain, the spirit, the thunder, the orgasm, bringing new life. It's the womb of the goddess. And the ba gao, the eight oracle symbols, one of which is the gone, sometimes is described as a dragon that bestows special powers. The 23rd hexagram of I Ching is basically the same symbol. It's just a little bit larger. It has more bars underneath of it that are broken. And it is a recapitulation of hexagram 4 and the apocalypse. It is the apocalypse and it is the cleansing. Some might see that as purifying of the earth, great flood, or you might see it as a great fire in the end times, the rapture, etc. Hexagram 4, much like the gone, is literally... And if you look this up in a book on I Ching, it'll tell you this. It's literally the child. And it signifies the veil, just like the veil worn by the universal goddess. It also signifies revelation. I'm not joking about that. I'm not stretching for that. I literally have my I Ching or cult I Ching book in front of me here. And this is literally what it says hexagram 4 symbolizes the child, the lifting of the veil, and revelation. And this all comes out of hexagram 23, which is a symbol of the apocalypse, and a recapitulation of hexagram 4, which is the child, the veil, and revelation. So we have the cleansing, the apocalypse, the child, the veil, and the dragon spirit that bestows certain powers. Now, I'm not a Christian, Recently, when people ask me what my spiritual views are, I tell them Shintoism. But otherwise, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not Jewish. 
I'm not a Buddhist, etc. I like to analyze and observe and appreciate and try to respect everything, which is also why I'm attracted to Shintoism as a practice, because that's kind of the whole point of Shintoism. But this is about me. This is about religion. And this is about the Super Bowl and how a lot of people see it as evil and demonic. And therefore, they refer to the Bible. or They refer to Christian iconography and things like this, or they refer to diabolic iconography. I'm going to quote the Bible here because it's one of the most popular, best-selling, one of the most profound and powerful texts in the history of mankind. That's not to say that the Vedas are insignificant or the Quran is insignificant. They're very powerful texts as well. Probably in a lot of ways more powerful than the Bible. But I'm going to quote Revelation because it's important. Revelation 13.4 says that the dragon was worshipped because he gave the beast his powers. We've discussed this before in our looking at or our analysis of now King Charles and Prince William, who was injured on the head, just like the beast in Revelation, and King Charles, the red dragon, his crest says he gives the lead, the red dragon gives the lead, which in Revelation, it is the red dragon who is worshipped because he gives the lead or the powers to the beast. Revelation 13.4 says, People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? In Revelation 17, a little bit further on, we read about the seven angels and the seven bowls, just like the seven divine rays of light, perhaps reflected in the seven mirrors of Rihanna's halftime performance, which rejected by reflecting back into heaven the divine essence that falls down and is collected by the alchemists. In Revelation 17, the seven angels and the seven bowls show the great harlot or prostitute of the beast. It says this, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Now, consider Rihanna's halftime performance and how it aligns with Revelation 17, particularly Revelation 17.4, which says, The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things, and the filth of her adulteries. Now, Rihanna, I don't think it's a stretch to say, is a icon. And in that capacity, she's treated as royalty, not only by the entertainment industry, but by pop culture and society in general. We treat a lot of our celebrities like royalty. Royalty, just like Jesus, is also symbolized by the color purple. Rihanna holds, like many powerful, influential celebrities, the golden cup of wealth and fame. She, in the performance, does do what a lot of people noticed on the surface. She grabs her butt, she grabs her genitals, etc., and shakes around just like her performers that open their shirts and show their breasts, etc. Not like Janet Jackson, but they rip open their shirts. Look, I'm a woman, or I'm a man, or whatever. Some, some were men, I think. Uh, 
So this is very much like the abominable things that are described or descriptions of uh, the great harlot. Rihanna is also dressed in the red cloak, lady in red. Her microphone and pendants on her outfit are all sparkling like diamonds or jewels, etc., like gems. So she's a royal icon, which is symbolized by purple. She has the golden cup of wealth and fame. She grabs in her hand and holds in her hand her private areas, her butt. She's dressed in a red cloak. Her microphone and pendants on her outfit are sparkling like diamonds, which is the song she's singing at the end. She says diamonds. And we go back to Revelation 17, 4. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. Now, I'm not saying that Rihanna is a bad person or that she's evil or that she's a witch. I'm not saying that she's a whore or she's a harlot. Please, sincerely, don't take my observations to mean that or to believe that. But you could say, symbolically, because she is the vessel for the essence of the universal goddess inverted or the harlot or prostitute of the beast, the whore of Babylon, the scarlet woman, by grabbing her genitals, she is holding the cup, which is the upside down triangle, the womb. She's holding the cup filled with abominable things. Now, she might have a good relationship. She might have a beautiful child, boy or girl, and they grow up to be uh, a wonderful person. But holding the cup in your hand as you represent the scarlet woman, and inside the cup is a child, literally, that child could be the abominable things, the fulfillment and the filth of adulteries, desires, and things that have actually been done, which should therefore mean that Rihanna, as the essence of the scarlet woman, holds her womb as she calls on this character from Revelation. The child is the abominable thing and the filth of her adulteries, meaning that the child inside her is the Antichrist. Now, don't post that online and say, Ryan said Rihanna's child's the Antichrist. That's not what I said. That's not what I mean. You know that's not what I said. You know that's not what I mean. I'm saying symbolically, based on what she represents, based on the symbolism. It's a description of Revelation 17.4. Revelation goes on to say that the woman has this written on her. The name was written on her forehead. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abomination of the earth. Again, I'm not calling Rihanna a whore or an abomination, but that she is a vessel like the Oracle of Delphi to channel the same. She is a vessel to channel the essences and the energies of these archetypes, of these goddesses, of these ideas, myths, etc. Now the I Ching 23 or the Hexagram 23, now we can go back to that and we might have a better understanding of what it means. Hexagram 23 is summed up in the following way. It means splitting apart. It means reality is a hall of mirrors. It means undermining a foundation. It means disintegration, distrust, and deception. Now, in summary, the Super Bowl 57 halftime show was not satanic. It was not demonic. It was not evil. Probably wasn't the work of the Illuminati. 
Like the millions spent on advertising for products or politically correct ideology, the millions tuning in and paying attention with both money, currency, and energy are feeding into the symbols, talismans, totems, companies, and their logos, products, and ideas. It's not really a mystery what we're watching. It's not really a mystery what we see as harmless entertainment or the most demonic thing ever. It's not really a mystery what we're watching, what we're seeing when we watch the Grammys, we watch the halftime show because of so many people tuned in. It's a ritual and the Super Bowl is a cauldron, right? It's a big cauldron to brew up a potion to do any number of things. Revelation 17.8 also says that the mystery of this woman and her beast is not actually a mystery. It says the beast, which you saw, once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The, the inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. We are talking about the apocalypse, Armageddon, the eschaton, the dragon, the beast. The dragon gives the beast its lead, its power, like King Charles and Prince William. The whore of Babylon and the beast-like child that she holds in her hand, the wealth and power, the purple and red, the royalty and the scarlet woman. The beast-like child is, of course, the Antichrist, given power to rule for a short time. We watched a condensed summary of the rise and fall of Babylon and a cleansing of the earth being foretold as if it is planned in contemporary times. The halftime performance reinforced the apocalypse and that reality is a hall of mirrors and illusion. From commercials with portals and rabbit holes to the game and music itself, the foundation of purpose and meaning were undermined to further disintegrate and erode, etc., the trust that we have in the tangible and in the untangible or the intangible. The pillars of reality we are shown are collapsing as the hall of mirrors becomes ever more what we interpret as real. In essence, Super Bowl 57 was yet another attempt to extinguish and cleanse the spirit, the great cleansing the ritual that births the idea and the essence of the Antichrist or the child who is an abomination. When you look at the Gin or the Gon, the Chinese and Japanese names for one of the, the trigrams of the I Ching, what you have is a ziggurat on stage at the Super Bowl, the apex of which is Isis or the Black Madonna when you invert it. The gin or the gone are also symbols of the universal womb, the mountain. Eaching 23 and hexagram 4, because that's what hexagram 23 represents. It's hexagram 4 and the apocalypse. It's the child. It's the lifting of the veil. It's revelation, literally. It's the cleansing. The dragon giving powers to those who summon it, or those who work with it, etc. And perhaps the location of the Super Bowl and its sponsor are also noteworthy. Uh, Glendale, Arizona is the official location of the game, but it's held in Phoenix, a bird that rises from the ashes of destruction anew. 
And State Farm, which sponsored the event, some people say that the logo looks like eggs. State Farm is the brave new world facility where babies are born deprived of life and spirit in state-run hatcheries. The State Farm for children. For all the numerologists, Super Bowl 57 was played on 212, so 5 and 7. Super Bowl 57 is 12 on the 12th of February. And of course, the 15th of February, this actually is a very significant piece of information. The 15th of February is the ancient Roman festival known as Lupercalia. Lupercalia, for those of you who don't know, or for those of you who need a refresher course, and I had to go back and double check just to make sure I was remembering it correctly, Lupercalia is a festival focused on fertility, sex, and ritual purification. In other words, ecstasy and sexual pleasure like Katesh, and a cleansing of the home, just like the I Ching, Super Bowl 57, as I said, an attempt to extinguish and cleanse the spirit, a miniaturized revelation, a miniaturized unveiling, miniaturized telling of or drama of the end times, being prepared for the few years of reign that the Antichrist has on earth. The fertility, the sex, and the cleansing of Lupercalia signifies a lot more than just sex, fertility, and cleansing. It signifies birth of a new. And what is that new thing that is birthed? Well, perhaps the phoenix rising from the ashes. Of course, if you listen to Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero before tonight's broadcast, and you heard me on that show, Clyde and I talked a lot before and after the game we normally don't prepare shows together, but we, you know, we talk back and forth and we have a little bit of a sharing of, of what we see and, you know, depending on what the story is in the news. But we do our show separately. He's got hundreds of affiliates. We don't have any. We kind of take an antiquated approach to radio here on The Secret Teachings. But we talked a lot before and we talked a lot after the game and we saw a lot of the same things. We also saw a lot of uh, different things and took different angles, different approaches to discuss what we're discussing. I thought one thing that Clyde pointed out that was interesting that I, I did not touch on was that between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, and with all the eschaton, revelation, apocalypse, the child, the veil, the cleansing, all this stuff that we have discussed tonight, the Black Madonna, etc., Clyde said that the Chiefs are perhaps even a metaphor of the secret Chiefs competing against the Eagles. The secret chiefs are considered, of course, the guides of men. Call them the Rishis, the Sages, the Brotherhood, the Serpents, the Chiefs, etc., whatever you want to call them. The chiefs competing against the Eagles and the Eagles being defeated, the Eagles, not actually the symbol of the bird of, of the United States of America, our, our, our symbol is actually a phoenix. The bird is actually a phoenix. If you read Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages, or I think it's in the Secret Destiny of America, you'll, you'll read about that. Manly Hall, who was a 33rd degree honorary Mason, says the following. He says, European mysticism was not dead at the time the United States of America was founded. The hand of the mysteries, as we've discussed tonight, controlled in the establishment of the new government for the signature of the mysteries may still have been seen or may still be seen on the great seal of the United States of America. Careful analysis of the seal discloses a mass of occult and Masonic symbols, chief among them the so-called American eagle, 
which is not really the American Eagle. It's the American Eagle upon the Great Seal that is actually a conventional phoenix. The phoenix is eternal. The phoenix can be resurrected. We kind of saw that idea with Damar Hamlin. I mean, the whole idea here is that the people that write and put together and choreograph, etc., these performances that call on the Scarlet Woman, the prostitute of the beast, the whore of Babylon, Katesh, Isis, Ishtar, Inanna, the Black Madonna, they know what they're doing. It's not just fun and games. It's not just entertainment. It's not just sports. What you're watching is a very, very real ritual. It's just not satanic, and it's not a ritual like getting up and getting coffee and going to work. It's not a ritual like putting on your jersey, not washing it, of course, putting on your jersey and watching the football game every Sunday. It's not a ritual in those ways. A lot of people think ritual means evil. No, it's a real ritual. Those that organize it, those that put it together, not Rihanna, not the dancers, not the quarterbacks, not the coaches, the people that put together the images, like who thought to put Rihanna in the clothing with the hairdo that made her look like a tree with the black fallen apple, the poisoned apple? Who, who thought to do that? It wasn't a bunch of people. It was like probably one or two people. And they understand Joseph Campbell. They understand Carl Jung. They understand the secret teachings. They understand mythology. They understand archetypes. And they use these symbols and images because they know that it has power. And regardless of what you think of that, satanic or just entertainment or somewhere in the middle like I do, regardless of what you think or how you think about it, it has a powerful enough influence to get us all talking, doesn't it? And that is your Super Bowl 57 halftime game and commercial analysis right here exclusively on The Secret Teachings. If you missed the show with Clyde Lewis tonight on Ground Zero, check out groundzero.radio or Aftermath FM. Otherwise, check out thesecretteachings.info, our website, to download and to share this episode. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Email me if you have any comments, concerns, questions, anything else you'd like to add, rdgable at yahoo.com. And as always, we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Leading the first ever all-female flyover at a Super Bowl, it's to commemorate 50 years of women pilots in the Navy. Autumn Lockwood is now going to be a part of the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. The NFL says that she's also making history as the first black woman to coach at a Super Bowl. Identified object has been spotted over the skies. Squarespace is a website that makes websites. It could create itself. Websites making websites. Websites making websites. Websites singularity. The National Football League welcomes you to the Apple Music Super Bowl 57 Halftime Show. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication.
It's the secret teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. 